welcome to Scaling the Summit, Radio Gold Style. Your host, Charity Bryan and Sandra K. Sims. I am your technical director, Ginger Aaron Brush. Let's get started. Welcome to another exciting episode of Scaling the Summit. We are Radio Gold. I'm Charity Bryan and my co-host is Sandra Sims. Buddy, what is going on today in the Magic City? I tell you what, Birmingham is rocking. It is yeah. almost fall here and mm. we can begin to sense a little bit of the temperature dropping. So it's yeah. been nice. It's, you know, we've had a lot of rain, but uh, it's today, it seems like it's, I saw a little sun peep out just a bit, a bit ago. So we're good. And tomorrow or the next couple of days, it's starting to drop even more. So mm. we're about ready to get that hot chocolate out and ready to, <laughs> you know, put out the, burn the little marshmallows on the fire or whatever you want to do in the fall, but I'm ready. Buddy, let's not get ahead of ourselves. We probably yes. won't be making a fire till what, November, December? No, we're going to, I'm going to do it this weekend. Nope. Oh, I wanna, okay. Yep, okay. Not being what, shorts, but it's okay. Well, all right. But listen, celebrate, hey, celebrate. Big, big girls love cooler weather. Right? Absolutely. I mean, we, do. we, yes, we, we call we winter time God's air conditioning. That's right. We need when it. We don't, yeah, we don't have to put the AC on 68. It just goes there on its own and we make up for the and 300 open the windows. The $315 power bill that I just got in the mailbox the other day. Oh. Yeah, it's okay. Worth every penny, buddy. Worth every penny. 68 degrees ain't free. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, listen, you know what else is not free? What? Well, I guess maybe it is. Friendship and great people. Oh. That's free, mostly, yeah. right? Yeah, I think so. Well, okay. You're, you're my great <laughs> friend, but you're not always free. But you know what Thank is you. free? What is free is our podcast and our guest today that I'm so excited to have our dear friend and special guest all the way from California on the West Coast, Brent Powell. Welcome to the show, Brent. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I like that you said uh, big girls don't like the hot, what big guys who are hairy don't like it either. Well, okay. So we all agree we are ready for fall and winter. Yes, indeed. Wow. So listen, how's California? What's going on out there today? No rain for you, probably. No, no rain for me. We've seen hardly any rain. Uh, what do we have going on today? It's uh, mid 70s, which is nice for me right here. Uh, a little smoke in the air from the fires, yeah. but nothing too bad. And so, okay. so it's kind of nice. Hey, buddy, mid 70s. That's a that's, sweet spot. Oh, come on. Oh, okay. yeah. Humidity. Do you miss humidity? Brent, do you, do you I, I do I do sort of miss it but then sometimes I don't miss it my yeah. skin misses it but I don't miss the okay. you know sweating and yeah. your body to, you know when you need powder and parts of your body yeah. oh Ooh. yeah okay. a lot of powder a lot of powder <laughs> yeah. here I gotta tell you right now a lot of powder buddy if you don't have powder you need it just saying oh boy we <laughs> we have lost Sandra all right well listen buddy I know you don't ever want to do the intro so I'm going to tell our amazing listeners all about Brent and the thing I'm well one thing I'm excited about you know Brent got his bachelor's degree in exercise science from Samford University in Birmingham in 2003 buddy you're always hijacking the show with your Montevallo alum friends and people well today's my day so we're having a Samford alum on today so just I'm just okay. putting that out there. Okay, FYI. but I think, okay, but I do believe that the second bullet will talk about. Oh, okay, I hadn't gotten so, there yet. Okay, but I'll just tell yeah. you, I think that okay. we might be sharing this today. Well, I'll share the second bullet with you. Okay. And that is that Brent got his PhD in health education and health promotion from UAB, where we, all, 
where we are all alumni, right? So this is a, a UAB alumni meeting as well. Uh, and he finished his PhD in 2010. He is a certified health education specialist, CHEZ specialist. Uh, he was a UAB doctoral fellow as well while getting his doctorate uh, there in Birmingham at UAB. And he's been a professor at Cal State University Stanislaus. Did I say that correctly? You did. Good job. Go, go me. All right. Cal State University Stanislaus uh, since 2011. He is the California AFERD parliamentarian uh, currently, and he's served in numerous roles in CAFERD since 2014, including president of the California AFERD from 2016 to 2017. He is also serving as president uh, of Western District Shape America, and he has several honors. Uh, Brent was the outstanding doctoral health education student at UAB. He's been nominated for the Outstanding Professor Award one, two, three times, buddy, not twice, but three times uh, at CSU Stanislaus. He is the Stan State Club Organization Advisor of the Year. He's uh, received the Outstanding Alumni in Health Education from UAB and the CAFERD, that's the California AFERD Honor Award in 2020. So, buddy, incredible educational pedigree, if I do say so myself, and tons of honors. And as you, you know, a great guy, lots of fun, and we are so glad to have Brent on the show today. You know, Brent, we're excited, but I think the biggest thing is you're, you're that young professional, and I think there's so many people when you look at something, you've done so much in such a quick time. I mean, in reality, this is, uh, it's monumental to, I can't, California is another, is like a country. I mean, it's, it's huge. It's its own world out there. And for you to have done all the things you've already done with Kayford, uh, well done. And I just, I'm, I'm real pleased. I know UAB is so proud of you. I know Sanford's proud of you too. I'm sure that Charity would sh- might share that, that Sanford's going to be proud of you too. I'm, they're very proud, buddy. They're very okay. proud. I, I know. I know you'd want to bring. Very proud. Back. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, in reality, I just I'm. It's it's neat to watch somebody grow, and honestly, I guess because of my old age, I get to watch all the young whippersnappers grow up and become big, big, big guys. And you're doing great things. So I really want to say thank you for that. And I honestly, I think to to look at your resume and to look at CV. Of course, we could not have gone. We couldn't carry everything on the CV because we wouldn't have much of a show. Because Honestly, it would take us the whole hour to talk about what you've already done, all the presentations you've made, all the stuff you've written. So there's just an amazing um, pace that you've been on in this, this, I don't know, in this young, I guess the beginning part of your professional life. But you, there's no doubt service is real important to you. And I see it. I see it across, um, I don't know, it's your, your service to your future professionals. I know you're really, it's, you're, you're sensitive to those students. But I, I see you serving in so many different roles, whether it be the community or the, your, your university and, of course, in national groups. I, I'm, I'm just so excited to, to, to know that and to see that about you. But I'm interested, what drives this passion that you have? So, first of all, it sort of feels like a eulogy when somebody's like reading off all your stuff and then praising you and talking about how good you are. Okay, you're not going to die. Sorry no. about that. Sorry, Sorry about that. This is this is not meant. This is meant to do that while you're alive. We tend to do exactly. Too much. Okay, buddy, we haven't lost a, a, a nobody yes yet, have we? Nobody. Okay. No, we're, no, we're good. We're good. <laughs> no, nah, this is good. Uh, so, what drives my passion to serve? I, I, it honestly comes from that you know pay it forward sort of mentality, like. I had a lot invested in me during my time in college, 
And it's sort of this internal obligation that I have that I need to pay it forward now as well. And so, you know, being that first generation college student and not coming from a great socioeconomic sort of background, um, it was sort of a big deal that professors found something in me and started sort of filling my bucket, if you will. And I know everyone's heard of that book or has read it that how full is your bucket, but that really is where I come from is because I had so much filled within my bucket over the years. I just pay it forward now and fill other, other buckets. And I think that that's so powerful because I love that book. And I, again, it's, uh, it, it's so important for us to understand that what we give, we do receive. And I know you're getting so many things back. So when you're, you know, in, in my world, I'm trying to, I, when we start talking about service, a lot of times I'm finding, and I, I don't know if you are in your students or your charity, you know, sometimes if, if I don't have service like listed in a syllabus, there's something that you innately got, I don't know, I mean, I don't know if it's what you're around. I mean, some people are born where they're more service related or servant hearted, but what is, how do you get in, how do you get your future professionals involved and, and want to serve other than, you know, to get credit for a course or an assignment? So I'm interested, just help me out here because I, I really want to help my students get the servant heart. You know, I don't think I've ever required students to serve. Um, in any of my course assignments. It, it sort of just comes from my background when I share it with students that it became one of those things I learned early on that there's only two things in the world that can never be taken away from you um, that I found, your education and your experiences. You know, we can have our homes, our cars, our jobs, our pets, our loved ones, all these things can be taken away. Um, but you will, once you have your degree, you always have your degree. And that can never be taken away from someone. Um, and then the same thing with our experiences. Like it's not, you know, going to travel the world kind of experiences, but just me going to Sanford or going to UAB, you know, and how I wound up in a PhD program is just a strange experience of a story um, and an experience that I have. And so, but I also think that like when I share this with students, I start each semester and end each semester reminding them about their education and their experiences. Um, and so, and, and because of those two things, they, they can never be taken away and we have them always. And, but where else can we have those two worlds, education experiences collide any other place besides like conferences and professional development? Like you really, you get to learn and you get to experience so much. Like I have so many great stories and so many great friends that I've met just from attending conferences. Right. And so, you know, we make those memories at those conferences that last forever. And then, you know, when it comes to the other part of that, though, is it's not just telling students about it, it's modeling that behavior. And so it's one thing for faculty to sort of lecture on professional organizations and, and sort of, you know, try to tell students this is a great organization and why you should be involved. It's another thing when students see you involved right. in that organization. And then the last part of that is if we can get them, the students, to a conference um, and finding them help, finding them the help, the funding and that sort of thing to get there, they then literally see you and they get that experience part, right. you know, and they get to experience what it's like to be around other future professionals and, and professionals in general at a conference. And, I'm, and, and I think that that's an interesting thing is that we have to do more uh, as educators in the higher ed to get those students. If we could get them in the foot their door, you know, either it's CAFERD, just to see things on a state like local level, um, I think that they can begin to see, because like I said, California is a huge, it's a big, big world. And y'all's Kayford uh, organization is, I mean, it's massive. 
And I think when you start thinking about then going into that regional or district level, then you actually look at having things at national level, having a kid that actually, or a student that actually can get involved and then lead. I, I, it, I may be, we, we try real hard, but sometimes I just, I want these new, I want our new professionals, those future professionals to really buy in on the importance of that. So it looks like you've got it going on because honestly, I see that this seems to be a, an area you seem to be with your awards that you advisor of the year, you know, your kids are listening to you. And so I do hope that, uh, you know, you could share some of that great advice with me because sometimes I have students that'll go, you know, I've got too much on my plate and I just really, and I know it, it has to do with where our, my university, sometimes if they're, if they live on campus, they have a little extra time. Some of mine are doing that off campus and they are working and that they're living a, a million I don't know, hours in a day, but I, I love the concept of, of being able to say, hey, that professional development and the two things you said that they can't take it away. I think finding that and connecting that to the service is pretty powerful. Thanks for sharing. Hey, buddy, this is going to make you real nervous, but, and I know it's early, but I'm uh, going off no, script. I'm, already? I'm, uh, 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 yep. Zip, zip uh. it. Zip. Hey, Brent. Okay. I'm just curious. What was your first ever, I'm sure you remember, HPERD conference that you attended? Uh, it was Aceford. The fall conference, yeah. right? It was a fall Aceford conference. Yeah. And where was it? In Birmingham, Alabama. At? The the Winfrey. I don't know what it's called now, but yep. yeah. Yep. I still call it the Winfrey too. So, hey, I'm so old that I recall fall conferences at Sanford. It, correct. And and we would not have class for those two and a half days, which which, you know, you would think would be great, right? You're like, oh, no class. Well, what you didn't realize was you turned into the labor force for two and a half days, setting up, moving tables, putting out chairs, you know, all, all those things. So uh, I had a feeling your first conference was probably the Aceford Fall Conference. So, uh, and I'm right there with you. That was mine as well. So, hey, buddy, you're going to want to go on mute right now. Yeah, I could see uh, it. So yeah, notice that I, 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 we're gonna, I, I'll let you talk about this because I know okay. Yeah. This is real important to you, but I yeah. am going to go ahead and just you, mute. Uh, and I, yeah, not talk about this. Why don't you go get a snack? As a I think I will. Fact. Thank you. Because you know, Brent, you and I both graduated from Sanford and UAB, and we love SEC. Excuse me, SEC football. We love Alabama. I know our listeners, our thirty-five listeners, can't see you right now, but you have on a fabulous camouflage hat with script A in black, and I like that hat a lot. Buddy, <clears throat> stop waving your arms around. Nobody can see you. All right. Nope. Nobody cares that you don't love Alabama. All right. So, Brent, uh, you know, we, you and I both love the state of Alabama. So what how in the world did you come to this cross country move to California? Gosh, you, you know what, Charity, that's sort of a long story. So I'm going to try to make it short and condensed for you here. Um, and so I, you probably have all heard or some people know if you don't live under a rock, you've heard of Garth Brooks before. And so I, there's this song that he sang early on called The River. And the first part sort of starts like, you know, a dream is like a river ever changing as it flows. And the dreamer is just the vessel that must follow where it goes. And so the part of that was that was something I really didn't realize I needed to learn when I graduated in 2010 with my PhD. Um, it was sort of the sort of hiring freeze pits, if you will. Like it was no university was hiring. The economy is still stunk and all this stuff. And I really didn't have a problem getting past a phone interview and getting to a campus interview. 
The trouble was getting past the campus interview. And I later learned after interviewing at the University of Georgia that I was competing with faculty who didn't get tenure, who were also competing because of just this economy. And so, um, so 2010, couldn't find a job and I had to literally take my PhD off my resume and I got a job because I had to make money. I got a job, full-time job selling jewelry at a jewelry store, making $10 an hour. And that's a humbling experience when you have a PhD and you think I've done everything right. What's the issue here? And you're making $10 an hour selling jewelry. And so, and then part-time of that too, when I was selling jewelry, I also was doing research on the side with UAB, but it wasn't a consistent thing. You know how research kind of happens when they need you, you do it and that sort of thing. So going back to that Garth Brooks song is come 2011, when I couldn't really land a job, um, I had this moment in March of like 2011 where I won't call it a panic attack, but I guess we could call it this like <laughs> come to Jesus moment, right? Like something had to change. And it was honestly, and I believe this till the day, you know, I leave this earth that I had to change and I had to stop applying just in the Southeast, meaning I had to stop being the person outside of the boat, outside of that vessel. And I was damming that river up trying to make it go where I wanted. And when I started opening up to this idea of maybe life wanted me in other places, as soon as I applied to California, May of 2011, I interviewed literally phone interview two weeks later, two weeks later was the first of June. And I was out here in California campus interview and then moved out here in August of 2011. So in a four month period, I had interviewed and was moving across country. And that's, you know, one of those things that how I wound about here was the need for a job and just letting that river of life take me where it needed to go. Wow. That's a great lesson. You know, I, uh, I, it's, we, we don't always end up where we think we're going to end up, but there's always a reason. And, and what a, what a great uh, lesson and just opening yourself up to life. So I got to know, first of all, um, you know, how hard is it in California to cheer for the SEC? Do they even know what the SEC is? <laughs> you know, it's not that hard, but it is, I'm sure, confusing for like my neighbors when they see my Alabama flags in the yard or something like that. And, um, you know, so, but I, there's a funny story. Shortly after I moved to California, I was driving home one day and I was following this big black truck and I will never forget it. And he had a, and you'll like this, uh, Sandra, that they had a big Auburn um, emblem on the back of the window. Nice. And being, being in California, I was like, what is going on here? So I was the weirdo who, instead of turning left, I just followed the truck <laughs> and sort of just drove up beside him. And when he got out, I being the, you know, very polite person that I am, just rolled down my window and yelled, did- roll tide. No way. Nice. Yes. Oh, and see- so, but I was a little nervous because, you know, you're in a new state. You really don't know how other people are going to react. And so, but he was, he was great. He explained that he lived in Auburn, went to Auburn and now lived out here. And, you know, we chatted for a little bit, but, you know, um, I think SEC fans are a lot like kudzu in a way mm, because we're, yeah. we just spread everywhere. <laughs> and so we are everywhere. Just some stay in hiding. And then sometimes they just spring up, you know, and. Hey, Brent, my, uh, my most, I don't know, flabbergasting Auburn moment was being in London, seeing Hamilton, Hamilton in London. Now that's a pretty, that's a pretty cool experience. And at intermission at halftime, is it halftime of, of a play? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, at the, at the break. So we go out to the lobby to get a drink and everybody's walking around talking about how great the show is. And no lie, this guy walks through the lobby with an Auburn t-shirt on 
He was We're at the theater everywhere. wearing a t-shirt, by the way, buddy. It's okay. We're everywhere. But I'm just like, my oh, God, can I, can I get any further from home and not have to see Auburn? But it's the yeah, greatest. I'm right I'm right oh, there with you. Go Arja Blue. So how about you go back on mute? Okay, great. Thanks, buddy. So Brent, tell me some uh, fun times, some, some, some fun Samford memories that you can uh, share with the listeners. And I hope you're right that our education's forever because I, I don't tell any stories where they don't come take our degree away. <laughs> now, I tell you what, one that I always remember from Samford though, is I, I guess I was a class short um, and needed another activity course or something. And so I wound up taking tennis one summer. And so I'm going to sound like Sophia from the Golden Girls here for a minute. So picture it. It's Birmingham, Alabama, sometime like maybe 2002-ish. Um, and it's the middle of summer. So we're talking about mid-afternoon, that humidity and heat and, you know, uh, all that sort of fun stuff. And we're playing tennis. And my instructor was the one and only Charity. Oh, God. And oh, mm. I will never forget this, that I, I think I vaguely remember Charity saying she doesn't like to run. Yeah, I don't enjoy it. I don't know. Buddy, so, uh, you have the uh, buddy, you have the mute button handy, buddy, buddy. Okay. I, I'm just, on. Just, I'm on just mute. checking. I'm laughing. No, no, no. I, I, I mean, for, can you mute Brent if we need no, to? No, I'm not okay. going to. I love okay. this. I, I'm going to let him keep going. Please. Well, it's a, it's actually it's more sad on my part was we were all complaining and charity was because of the heat and charity was like, well, you can leave early if Brent can beat me in a match. <laughs> <laughs> and I think in my head, this is going to be great. I'm not that great at tennis. As long as I can hit the ball, the opposite end of where she is, we should be fine. <laughs> of course, that's not what happened. And I lost and I'm pretty sure I didn't make any friends in that class. That, that Oh, <laughs> she beat you. Uh-oh. Hey, hey, buddy, thanks for not pointing out how developmentally inappropriate that entire episode was. You know, <laughs> you can beat the instructor. You okay, can leave. Yeah, early. I, I'm not sure yeah. that was quality education. Frankly, okay. I'm surprised I didn't want to get out of there. I don't like the heat either. You know, I mean, geez. Wow. All right. So, Brent, you know, in the in the great river of life, any thoughts about returning to the greatest state in all of the states, Alabama? You, you know what? I I have thought about it. A few years ago, I actually interviewed back at Sanford for a position um, in public health there and was offered the job. And it was a hard decision of where to go and, and what to do. And it just was one of those things. Again, I just kind of opened myself up and it felt right just to stay where I'm at at the moment. Um, and so I stayed here in California. And um, But, you know, sometimes I do think it would be nice to be back in Alabama. Um, but and, and like you mentioned, and I've said before that I just try to stay in that boat and let life take me where it needs to go or where I should be at that moment. But I think that that takes courage. I think you need to know that, that what a, I mean, that's a big change. I mean, you know, like I said, everybody thinks we're pretty rednecky here, but in, in, well, in cases, some many cases, that's correct. But just to, to go and just to live, um, I don't know. I find that, uh, very interesting, but I also find it very bold. And I think it says a lot about your personality to be able to go out there and go get something. And it's really neat to watch your river. And I think that you've, you've definitely uh, are blooming well. And so hopefully that it's been fun for you. We, we like to, on the show, we like to talk a little bit about areas that uh, of interest and health education is your area, your, your passion with health, health promotion as well. And so we like to do a little segment on past, present, and future. And I, I, I'd like to ask you what you think, even though you're, again, in your youth, 
Oh, and I say anybody, everybody below me is in their youth because I'm still fairly young. Uh, well, not really. Uh, but looking at the past, uh, I used to not be very interested in history until now. It seems like I lived history in it. So I'm, I'm interested now. What do you see, even in your short window of looking back, of what have you seen change in this window of, of looking at health education? And if you really want to say health promotion, um, I would love to know what, you, what you've seen in the past of, from, from, health, from the health perspective. Uh, one major change I've noticed in the past is that people actually recognize and understand more what health education is. Um, I know that in the past, was, you know, when I would mention this is what my major was, or this is what I was getting my PhD in, many people thought I was teaching physical education. And so they would automatically just kind of go there. And so I've noticed that huge change just over a while, sort of this recognition now of it being this, I don't want to say legit, but it sort of feels like this legit career now that's not just only associated with physical education. That's good. Yeah. So, all right, to the present, Brent, how do you think health education is doing in our public schools right now? In some ways, I think that some states in general are doing better with health education curriculum and, and content standards and things like that than other states. Um, but even when you think about California being a progressive state, we don't require health education and comprehensive health education. We require different aspects. So recently, you know, a couple of years ago, we had passed what's called the California Healthy Youth Act, which requires comprehensive sexual health education. Um, and it talks about healthy relationships and things like that. But there's still gaps, right, in what we don't require. And because there is no comprehensive health education required in the state or graduation requirement, for that matter, um, as a state you know, requirement, some districts do require it. Um, but many don't. And so it's, a, it's an issue. So a current issue nationwide is, and especially with the pandemic, as we can see, there's a huge need for health education. And I think that this is important because, you know, even though our state in Alabama, that we require it, it's not being taught. I mean, we, we sit here, we have a course of study uh, that says K-8, they're supposed to have this, you know, they're supposed to have health education. And then they have the, whatever, the half a unit to graduate. In our state, even though it's required, it is bogus. And, and honestly, we don't have we don't have enough teachers teaching physical uh, health education because, like I said, you, they tend to go, okay, that physical education teacher can can do it, which is very sad. And I think that that's um, that's tough. So I'm interested when you said California, you would think is that you are a progressive state. You would think that there would be health education. So when you said that, I didn't know that there's no requirements. But I'm interested. So you do say that certain districts and schools can actually then require that. And we know it's just like elementary. That group needs so many areas, so many aspects of the dimensions of health that I that they're just not getting it. And I, I, I find that's sad. I don't know. But okay. anyway, let's talk about future. So what do you think? What do you think we should do? What should what should California do? Should should California um, add or what should they do? And maybe what's across the nation. What do you think the future holds for physical, for health education? Sorry, for health education. Yeah, it's exactly what I said with, before with comprehensive health education. I think every state should require it um, and it should eventually be a graduation requirement as well. But then, then in those other states, you know, like Alabama, we then have to make it to where we have health educators teaching those, teaching the subject matter. 
Um, and so, and I mean, when you think like now with the epidemic going on, you know, we spent a lot of time last year and I thought it was kind of sad where you see even commercials teaching how to wash your hands and that's elementary sort of stuff. That's health ed. Right. And then even now, when we talk about like how diseases spread, like we're having to educate people about how diseases spread and that's middle school stuff. When you look at content standards and it's like, you know, this, there's a huge need. And I, and I keep screaming it sort of now that I wished a lot of people shy away from sort of the legislative process and being an advocate and trying to get things happen happening, but we need to be doing that. And now is the perfect time for health education to kind of go in and beat down doors and say, if we had taught people from elementary through high school, basics of comprehensive health education and things like how diseases spread and how to prevent diseases and all that sort of stuff, then I wonder how much of an effect that would have nationwide when an outbreak of something does happen. And I think that's powerful. But one of the things I, I teach a class in the summer uh, for classroom teachers, and, you know, I know that that's with, with the rules here that we have all, everybody's supposed to be teaching it. There's not anybody I can ask. I say, when did you, when did you have health education? So no one's teaching. So what I've tried to do, and honestly, in our state is get my classroom teachers to buy in that there could be an integrated approach that they should, they want healthy classrooms. You know, they don't want to get anything. They want those kids to, to, so I try to express how you can do, you know, I don't know, integrate the lessons that they don't have to do health education as a separate, that they do it as a part of what they're learning. But anyway, and I think we've got to find ways. We've got to find ways to make that address because health education is critical. And I think because Alabama has a great course of study, just nobody's teaching it. And so I, I do think it, it gets a bum rap. And I don't think physical educators, I happen to be one of those physical educators that we used to have the double major, health education, physical education. I was one of those. And I think, but that is long gone. So um, anyway, just want you to, to know I, I love health education and I do think we've got to find a way. And I think you're, you're right on what we have to start being an advocate for this. Hey, Brent, I think you'll uh, appreciate the Louisiana PSA on how to wash your hands. It's in the uh, New Orleans airport and it's on every mirror in every bathroom. And it says, wash your hands like you just ate crawfish and need to take out your contacts. That's pretty good, huh? That is very good. <laughs> hey, Louisiana, everybody can understand okay. that, right? Louisiana has it going on. There you go. You know? Yeah. All right. So, Brent, we're going to shift to your career. And I'm, I'm so excited to learn more about your career path and how you've gotten to where you are in the river of life. So what is some good advice you were given early on in your career and who gave you that advice? Well, that's a good question. Um, one of the things, so I kind of feel like a lot of my stories and a lot of who I am is just been by being at the right place at the right time. And so to answer this question, um, I, early on in my tenure track career of being a faculty member, I was collaborating on a small research project where we were looking at the decline of accredited school health education programs across the nation. And I was working with two other people across the nation, um, one of which was Retta Evans from UAB. And the other one was a gentleman who's named Larry Olson, um, and he's now with Logan University. Um, and so we did this study and we got accepted to present a poster at the American School Health Association Conference. And so I'd sent the poster to be reviewed by Retta and Larry and they made edits and, you know, suggestions and I put everything together and we sent it to print and there we are at the conference and I, um, 
presenting our poster. And so the, the poster title was kind of creative. I mean, I think Larry came up with it, but it was like school health education, professional preparation and careers, the chicken and egg syndrome. And so we we're like, this is great. We had this cool graphic of the United States and it showed like on the graph, I created it. It was like the U.S. with stars where all the current accredited programs are. And so you could really see this huge need and gap. And the title above the graphic um, was baccalaureate accredited programs, or at least that's what it was supposed to have said. Instead, it said bachelorette accredited programs. Oh, <laughs> and awesome. no, we didn't notice it until we're there that's at this awesome. conference presenting. And Larry was like, <laughs> if you don't know Larry, he's this very white hair, white beard, um, almost Santa Clausy kind of look of a guy. And, uh, and so he just kind of chuckles and looks at me and, and points it out. And there's nothing you can do at that point, right? I mean, it's just there. Um, but he, he winds up telling me the best advice that I sort of, that stuck with me. And or he said, don't trust those you work with to be the knowledge you have inside your head. And it was meaning don't rely on others to take care of the details of things you know you can take care of. And it sort of stuck with me in leadership and all throughout doing you know, my tenure track process was like, you know, don't trust others to do my work that I can, I'm capable of doing, um, you know, sort of thing. I also think it was his way of just kind of putting the blame maybe back on me um, by saying that, but <laughs> it still was one of those simple things that I tell students to proofread, proofread, but sometimes you get a funny story out of it. So that's awesome. I would have liked to have been in that little space and, and seen what your uh, people that were coming to your poster presentation said. <laughs> Did they have very many comments? Um, actually, I think I was the tallest one. So I just kind of stood in front of the <laughs> okay. poster in that area to okay. try to block it. Um, okay. So I don't okay. think many people noticed. Um, but if they did, they were polite and didn't say anything. So oh, that's nice. I was wondering if they asked you questions about that bachelorette. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So looking at, you know, you said this profession, you feel like it's getting a legit or beginning to, I don't know, step up. So I don't guess it's really hard to get too many students in to, to come forward and get interested. But if you were trying to give advice to somebody who is looking for um, a reason to get into health promotion, health education, what would you say to them? One of the biggest pieces of advice is that I give our students today is we, we have, we've been blessed within our program to have a lot of students interested in and public health, public health promotion, health education in general. Um, and I, I think a lot of that is students who may not have been, who may not have gotten into an allied health, like nursing or something else and, and wanting to go find some other way to help the community. And one of my biggest pieces of advice is to get students to realize the need for health education in public health is when we really just look at the data of our community and the people around us. And and then I encourage students to continue on. We've had several students who want to go into to do school health and to teach and to do those sort of things. But I still encourage them to go get a master's in public health. And the biggest reason that I would love all health educators to do this, whether they're in the school or the community, is because it allows you to understand the community aspect of things. And it really brings home when you're teaching health ed in schools, that whole school, whole community, whole child model. Like you really have to understand, kind of like you were mentioning early, Sandra, about integrating it in ways. And how do we bring in, we can do some great educating in the classroom, but if we don't sort of take care of the community and, and spread that physical activity or health, you know, 
beyond the classroom, um, we've kind of failed, honestly. And so how do we get them to hit home? And I think getting a master's degree in public health does allow you to get that extra knowledge, not only just in how to educate, but, you know, bringing home that community side of things as well. Good point. All right, Brent, and I'm sure this was really, really tough for you to think about, but if you had to choose a different profession altogether, what would you have been or wanted to do? <laughs> I would have been a politician. Whoa. I know that sounds weird. <laughs> okay. We're, here, we always get nuggets that we never awesome. expected. Uh, I don't know that I expected you to say politician, but look, Okay. I might back tell, that. Come tell on. Tell us about this. Yeah. Do you want to run for governor of Alabama? Yes. Come I, on. Do you know what's funny is, is actually that was one of my like early on life sort of things is I cool. loved, we used to, I used to get invited often to like, uh, to the governor's mansion and, uh, Christmas and the birthday parties and things like that. And I have no idea how that happened. Um, and, but when I lived there and we would just go in and, and have fun at these little parties and it really, I like listening to problems and solving it. And that's sort of why maybe it goes back to that question earlier about why I like service so much is I do just seeing a problem and helping solve it and building that consensus and trying to solve an issue, you know, for the greater good. And uh, so, yeah, I think politician would be something I would, if I had another career path of something I'd do. It's not too late. You know, and I think this is interesting that you said that because uh, being the advocate person in Alabama, I had to go to Montgomery so many times. And after a window of probably a couple of years, somebody came up and said, what are you running for? And I went, I'm not running for anything. You're like, said, well, hey, I don't, I don't I, run. Are you kidding me? I don't, I don't run. run. crazy? <laughs> I said, I'm not going to. No, no, I don't. And I'll be honest with you. The more I saw, the more I went, oh my gosh, this is a tough, this is a tough place. And I remember a, a buddy of mine who became a representative and he had all these dreams. He said, I didn't realize how much, you know, how much of the process was very, I don't know. It was hard. You had this idealistic that you could go in and you can change the world and it, and how hard it is in some of these States. And in particular, Alabama, you know, we have a, we're, we're pretty set in our ways in some things. And I know that that's very different than in California, but I'm just saying it's, it's not easy, but I, I have never, and I, I, Way to go to you, but wow, I don't think I could have ever stepped into the, any kind of political office. I don't know. I don't think I have tough enough skin or something. Uh, but anyway, uh, I'm glad you're not as a public, uh, I, I guess, not going for governor yet, because I think you're doing a great job in, in health education. But I'm interested now, you know, this is one of those things where I get a chance to ask people to say, what are some thank yous, maybe some some people that really inspired you to move on and do some things, maybe helped you along the way to get where you are, uh, even as a young professional. So I'm interested, do you have any shout outs that you like to give to somebody that maybe had an impact in your career so far? Oh yeah. So uh, quickly, like the top three people, um, we'll start with number three, if you will. Most recently, um, a guy that I met out here in California, his name's Dr. Keith Johannes. He served in Capered for a number of years on every committee and chair of everything you can imagine and president. And he's just one of those people who, when I met him, he was our legislative committee chair and he was just knew everybody. Right. And he taught me so much about how to develop relationships and, and how to keep those relationships lasting professionally because they do pay off. And so he's one of them for sure. 
Uh, number two would be uh, somebody that I met at Aceford who um, one time at a leadership training thing was asking us to like come up with goals and how to be an advocate and all this stuff. And uh, I'm not saying this to suck up, but honestly, Dr. Sandra Sims was discussing oh, advocacy and leg. And I wrote down, listen to this on my goal one time to be a school health education advocate. And when I came to California, I literally found that in a notebook when I moved and had that note. Mm -hmm. And I started doing it. And for about five, five years, part of Capered wrote, you know, support letters and opposition letters and mm -hmm. went to the state Capitol and did interviews and did all this stuff. And, you know, we supported different things like the California Healthy Youth Act and, um, and having, you know, suicide hotlines on the back of all students' uh, IDs. Um, in the state. So those sort of things were things we've been a part of. And that all started from little old Aceford and sitting there, you know, in this room, listening to Sandra Sims. And so right. for sure. Okay. You made me cry. Oh, buddy. Okay. Oh, no. I'm okay. sorry. I, we forgot to prepare Brent in I know, the beginning. I, I'm sorry. I didn't expect that. Wow. That was, yep. that's very hey, sweet. Brent, she usually cries once okay, an episode. I and I, I think this is her once. So we're hopefully from here, we're, we're smooth sailing. All right. Give me number one. My number one is a combo. Um, and I think it's no, it's not a, it's everybody knows this. I scream it from the top of my lungs. My professional mamas is what I call them. The Donna's Dr. Donna Dunaway and Dr. Hester, you know, I remember going back in undergrad at Sanford and wanting to get involved in conferences and being this poor little boy who had no money. Um, I used to go for two years during my spring break. I wasn't all partying like other people. I was in Arley, Alabama, <laughs> helping do landscaping <laughs> for the Donna's like to make money to the, hey, the next we, week. We've all been there, by the way. <laughs> we've all been there. Yes. And I loved it, like going to make money so that I could go to like different conferences or whatever. And, uh, you know, and so but watching those two over the years, really just like how to be a leader, how to develop leaders, you know, how to run meetings and stay organized is just one of those things that just you you have to be a part of, you know, when you see it, it just sort of, you absorb it. And, um, but when I mentioned like doing landscaping and being up there with them, I, <laughs> I can't help but mention this story of like, um, we were in the front part yard of their house. And I think it was Dr. Hester who heard a puppy crying or like whimpering. And we, it was kind of like trying to find an Easter egg, but it was like, <laughs> where do you find it? Right. Cause we couldn't find this dog. And she kept saying, it sounds like it's underground. And so we finally find this like drain pipe. It was probably no bigger than like, it was a little bigger maybe than like a rain gutter kind of size. And it started at the like sort of driveway area, but exited down over near the lake. So I guess it was like rainwater to just fall out or something. And somehow this puppy had gotten in there and gotten stuck. Oh. And so we had to figure out how the pipe ran in the yard to start digging to rescue this because the puppy was not close to the end. It was a good 20 feet, maybe away. And so I just remember seeing this like pipe underground and having to find it and people stand. We were like we were surveyors trying to figure out which way does the pipe run and how do we rescue this dog and one of, one of them was pouring water down the pipe so the dog could drink water. And I'm, and I'm afraid don't pour too much because we don't want to like drown the puppy, but, you know? And so I remember we wind up getting kind of in the area and we're digging a hole in the front yard and doing all this stuff. And a neighbor comes over and I don't know if the it was the neighbor's dog or who it was, but I also can't remember if the dog was named Booger 
or if the neighbor was named Booker, <laughs> because you know how those Southern hey, nicknames it's, it's Alabama. Out. It could go either way, <laughs> exactly, either yeah. way. <laughs> but or the I've, dog could be named after its owner. Booker, <laughs> right? so, so Booker Jr. Yeah. And so, um, but I just remember somehow we like we dug and uh, we anyways, we finally got Booger. We picked Booger out. It was a deep dig and we got Booger out of that hole. And here's this cute little puppy. But Every time I see them or anytime I think about doing landscaping, I think about digging a hole to rescue this puppy in this little pipe. Well, hey, you know, that gotta, doesn't surprise me. No, but I, I got to tell you, every time Donna D tells that story, she trips herself out. And the funniest <laughs> thing about that story at this point is not the story itself. It's Donna D retelling the story and everybody just falls out laughing. So, yes, and I Booger. So Booger got rescued from the pipe. So we're we were all good and it had a very happy ending. But I am going to say, I do, I, I don't want to, I know what this, this is a funny thing. I want to go back. Donna and Donna have, have impacted so many people. I mean, they have been, they, they've just been that lighthouse, honestly, for so many people to look to and um, to guide. And so I'm excited. And I, I hope that they'll, uh, you know, when they hear these things back, I, I think it's important. You talking about something in the, on the front end, this thing, we need to acknowledge people. And, and I think that's why we're really trying to do it now so that we don't always want to do it after, like you said, when people are, are, are gone in life, like when you're talking about you, we don't, we, people need to be acknowledged while they're here, but I, I'm going to be honest with you. Those two young ladies have meant more to more people and have been on this list of many people that have come before you. So I am going to just say, thank you for sharing that. And uh, I acknowledge that as well. Hey, Brent, we might have to team up and start the, Dunaway Hester Landscape Scholarship Fund. Because, you know, I, hey, listen, man, I was right there with you. I've never raked so much pine straw in my life. And, buddy, you'll appreciate this. I'd be raking pine straw literally all day, right, at the old house, just praying, praying that there might somewhere in my future be like a small sandwich. Because, you know, the little people don't often have to break for, for fuel, right? But, but, but big girls need to take a break from the landscaping. We need a little something to eat. So, you know. All right, Brent, we are going to go to some fun personal questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So don't overthink it. This is kind of like rapid fire. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? As a kid, I wanted to be a lawyer. All right. Which would have been great with the politician thing. That's yeah. right. Yep. All right. If you could live anywhere else, where would it be? If it was in California, I'd be in San Diego. Weather's mm. beautiful, mid-70s, almost year-round. I mean, it's just beautiful. If I had to pick another state, though, I'd probably maybe Tennessee because I like, yeah. the, I like the Nashville area. I like the mountains and stuff. So maybe Tennessee. Yeah. Got it. Great. Great choices. All right. Favorite meal to eat or cook? Favorite meal to eat is Southern chicken and dumplings. Oh, I'm that per- on. But I'm that person too who loves like Thanksgiving food all year. So give me chicken and dressing all year. Like, you know, I love all that stuff. Now, Brent, do they even know what chicken and dumplings is out there? No, because they think it's it's Chinese food (laughs) when I mention it. When I say, oh, we had chicken and dumplings. So it's like, oh, that's something I got, you know. Yeah, not those dumplings. Ah. Yeah, no. Yeah. Okay. Mm. All right. Favorite musician or band? I can't explain why, but ever since I was young, I knew almost every song of Reba McIntyre, and that is my goat. I don't think she's the best singer in the world, but I probably have seen her a good almost 20 times in concert. 
Nice. Wow. But at heart, I'm just that 80s and 90s country guy. Like I listen to other things, but I just love that 80s and 90s country. It's hard to beat. It's hard to beat. <laughs> All right. Uh, best book you've read lately. Oh, you know what? I don't read much. That's <laughs> just being honest. Uh, but the book I did read recently that I liked and remembered was Becoming by Michelle Obama. Oh, yeah. Very cool. And uh, I really like that. I like the part where you find people who are, you know, before she became you know, this politician's wife, it was just this real story of who they were. You know, she was eating lunch in her car on breaks. And I was like, I've done that before. And so I like that sort of thing. Yeah. Awesome. All right. All right. This next question got me stumped now because you just said Tennessee and you did San Diego. And we, of course, know our coastline. Beach or mountains? So I grew up near the beach, near Gulf Shores in the great little small town of Bamanette, Alabama. Um, but because I'm such a fair skinned ginger, I burn in the sun. So give me the mountains. Anytime. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I think of you every time I see the Baymanette sign too, by the way. <laughs> All right. What is the best advice you have ever received or heard? I heard this on a play one time by Tyler Perry. He plays a character by Medea. And Medea once said that he, she categorizes people in the category of a tree. And some people are like leaves on the tree where, you know, they're there for a season and then they just kind of weather and blow away. Other people are like branches on a tree where they make you, they're there for a while, but if a good storm comes, those branches can break off and leave you. But all that you need in life are about three good, four good roots to support you as that tree. And so it's one of those things that when you hear it, you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. But when you apply it, and you start analyzing it, it's, it's really, it's really one of those things too. And in leadership, think about this, like sometimes we're just desperate to find people to fill a position, right. Or something in an organization, but they're really a leaf. Like they're only there for a second. And so let's not, you know, you, you kind of see that, but then you have people that need to be nourished to really could be great roots. Right. And that going back to the Donna's that I think they had that talent to find those good roots of leaders and to, to, to help them nourish and grow and support the tree of your organization or, or even yourself personally. That's a great, great, great advice. Yep. Love it. Love it. All right, Brent. Well, as you know, we have a fun little game that we like to play with our friends at the end of the show and it's called two truths and a lie. And this game is in honor of our friend, Cam Kirst. I think you probably know Cam. I if do. you want to, if you want to know more about Cam, you should just play this game with her uh, and you may learn some things. So you're going to tell us three statements about you. Two of those will be true one of them will be a lie. Now, buddy, it's midday. So Ginger, bless her heart, is uh, what do you call it? She's hole punching. Yeah, thank uh, she's, you. she's punching the clock at school. So she's not with us today. So, buddy, you and I are going to have to work together, which is sometimes a bit not of a not, struggle. Yeah, it is a struggle. All right. So we're going well, to mix. Two- he's got to mix these up. We want to always tell the people because I think some people went two truths and a lie. So we're try- <laughs> <laughs> so we want to try to mix right. it up. I, and we know you pretty well, Brent. So this is going to be. I can't wait. Yeah. I, I, this th- we we're going to learn something, buddy. We yeah. are. I, I love it. So let's yep. do it. All right, Brent. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, buddy. Are you ready? Yes. I better okay. get my notes. All right. Get your paper out and your pen. Okay, Brent. We're ready. Go. I love this game, by the way. Um, so that's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Number one. True. So I was a contestant on Contestants Row for The Price is Right. I was kissed by Lily Tomlin. And I did a strip dance for Betty White's 90th birthday. 
Okay, buddy. Uh, are are you ready to talk I'm, about I, this? I'm, I, okay. Okay. So. Hey, listen. I know one of them. I know one of them too. Which oh, one do you know? know? I, I know do. number. I know number two. Number two is one I know for sure. Yeah. I just I, happened to I see just it. Saw it on Twitter. I just yeah, saw yeah, it on yeah. Twitter. Okay. So, that's so I saw that picture. True. So that is true. Okay. Okay. So <clears throat> now, contestant for Price is Right. We had a Price is Right come to Birmingham one time. And he could have done that. He could have. Buddy, what what decade was that? Hey, what are you talking about? Was that like the Bob Barker years? Or the I don't dream? know. Oh, I, I don't know. Okay. I can't remember. <clears throat> Why am I supposed to know? Can you just let me talk this out? Are we supposed okay. to be working together? Yeah. Oh, sorry. 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 I Go think ahead. I think he could have done the. You know, but stripping for Betty White. Is I put also that on impossible. Twitter. He, I hadn't seen that, that on Twitter. I haven't seen it. Mm. Well, but I definitely think Brent could do that. I think either one of those are really true, but I, I'm i probably going to say one might be more true than two. I Which, mean, buddy, one, if one would be more true than three. Okay. So if we do that, buddy, then we have just played two truths and a, and lie. a lie. I got that. I don't, I don't really know if that was a good strategy on Brent's part. So, I mean, I agree with you. I think the price is right thing is more realistic, but. You are going. If you he think says he stripped? he stripped for Betty White, I'm going to fall out, and you'll you'll have to close the show because I will I will have fallen out literally. Okay, I'm going to let you take the answer. No, 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 I no. don't know. No, no, no. no, 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 no. <clears throat> okay, I think he so was a you, contestant on Price is Right. I do. Okay, all right. So Brent, we're going to go with your lie. Omg, is that you did a, a strip dance for Betty White? That is your lie. You have literally played two truths and a lie in that order. That would have been a good strategy had I done that, but that's not correct. What? Oh, you oh did not strip. You did not. Yeah. So when she was on a t- on the TV show Hot in Cleveland, you um, did not. I was in the audience, and there was about a hundred people, and it happened like her ninetieth birthday happened to have been like the week of, and so they did this during tapings. They do this audience sort of engagement stuff, and this like host that was there was asking to do a dance off and whoever won the dance off actually won a autograph script from the show. And, oh, wow. um, and so there were three females who were selected and then I got selected. Um, and so, and this was early on when I first moved to California and the guy had asked who's from out of state. And so I still mentioned I was from out of state and I was like, I'm from Alabama. What do you do? I'm a sets educator. And so he called me to come down to do the dance. And then we had to choose a number for the DJ, zero to 100. And of course, I chose 69 as my number, um, being the sets educator. And so the song was I'm Setsy and I Know It. And I was the last one to dance. And I wound up stripping in the audience. And I went up, there was another older lady in the audience who was celebrating her 90th birthday. And I put my belt around her and was dancing. I made $10. Woo! And I and Betty White was sitting there on the thing the whole time, you know, waving some money at me. And um, and so I made ten dollars and won the autograph script. And so nice. Yeah. OK, Brett, I, I, I'm blown away. OK, I, I really yeah. I, I, I I cannot believe it. I love Betty White and I can't I believe too. she's seen you. Now, Brent, I got, did the other people strip or you just thought, let me, let me go in and seal the deal here. I just I am going to strip. It was, a, I wanted to seal the deal because okay. I saw their dance moves and I was like, mm, I've got this in the bag. So I was, I all across the audience running back and forth, getting some ones and 
It was amazing. But I tell you what's funnier is after that was over with, I go to the bathroom and a guy was beside me and offered me a hundred dollars for that autograph script. No joke. Wow. And I didn't take it. I was like, if you're going to offer me a hundred now, I'm going to (laughs) wait and we'll see what happens later. But it's Betty White, right? Right. That's so cool. Okay. You've, you've blown me away. I'm really proud. I do. I would have thought that you had been on that Price is Right. I could see you there. Yeah. Have you ever gone there? Have you ever done Prices Right? I was behind Contestants Row, like in the audience um, at the real Prices Right, but I okay. wasn't on Contestants Row. Yeah. Okay, now wait a minute. I could have sworn that I'd, I'd somewhere either it was one of your feeds you've talked about. I don't know. So I was half right. Half right. Hey. I, I was half right. It's so important. Half right. Okay, buddy. <laughs> Would you tell us how amazing it you know, you just met Lily Tomlin and who was the other one? You had your picture on Twitter. Is it, was um, it? Yeah, well, it was another person in the audience or another okay. person that I knew. But yeah, Lily was great. How, um, did, how did that come about? So the person, the other person in the picture is actually named Kat Kramer. Her dad was Stanley Kramer. He was a producer and um, he actually had the first Hollywood Walk of Fame star. Um, and so he did old movies like It's a Mad, 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 Mad World and things like that. And uh, But she's good friends with Lily and she was supposed to have gotten this like VIP go into the first show taping for Malibu country was the show Lily was on with Reba McIntyre and she couldn't get in. And, you know, I didn't know her, but I actually happened to have an extra ticket. And so she sort of rewarded me by saying, Hey, come on the set with us one time. And that's what I did is I went on the set of a taping and, um, and we went down there and I met, you know, Lily that way. And, um, talked to Reba and all that stuff. And, uh, but yeah, Lily gave me a kiss on the cheek and was just so nice. And I loved it. Did you tell her that you strip dance for Betty White? I don't know if this was before or after that. But <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> you know, I didn't all want right. the competition, like yeah, you know, yeah. put on the spot. Right. Well, right. Of course. I mean, geez, <laughs> once that cat's out of the bag, you have, you've done some great things. I don't think you should ever come back to Alabama. I think California, I can sense that because you know how sex education is here in Alabama. So uh, it's, it's kind of crazy here. So, but I am going to be honest with you that you've lived a pretty darn good life meeting all these great stars. Uh, pretty awesome. So again, we that, love, that we eulogy love, part again. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Come on, buddy. I am, I, Bring it back. I, I am, I'm just honestly, truthfully, you have, uh, you know, you can always come back to Alabama, but I, I think you've done a great job and I'd love to see and hear from you. And so this has been fun to listen to you today. Yeah, Brent, thanks so much for being here. Listen, that brings us to the close of another exciting episode of Scaling the Summit. Just a reminder, we look forward to seeing all of you, our dear listeners, at the 2022 Health and Physical Literacy Summit in Birmingham, Alabama, February 13 through 15. That will be Happy Valentine's Day for those of you paying attention. Registration information is available at the National Academy, nahpl.org, and you can uh, sign up there, register. And we look forward to seeing you in Birmingham. Brent, thanks again. This was a ton of fun. Yeah, thank y'all. I love doing this. This is great. Awesome. Buddy? It's been wonderful. You stay out of trouble, okay? No, no, no. Gotta stay in trouble. All right. Everybody have a great week. We'll see you next time.